Hello, 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 and we have another episode of Awfully Serious for you listeners out there. Hey, hey, hey! And I think uh, everyone's going to get overwhelmed with how much Awfully Serious they're getting in their feeds. I know, it's like every single week, we gotta listen to these guys again. You gotta be careful with what you wish for, because I know everyone was asking for more episodes, but now there's just too many. There are too many. I get tired of talking to you. Yeah, my voice is still a little hoarse from last week. It was a good Ugh. quiz. Yeah. I really like that quiz. That, yeah, it was a long quiz. Yeah, and I gotta say, I was a little worried. I was a little worried, Alex. So, I know this is only episode three with their new, very fast production schedule, but I'm gonna take everyone behind the curtain a little bit, just so they know how it all goes together. You guys might not know it, but we're actually an episode ahead. So, the episode we just recorded last week has just been released. I just dropped it yesterday. I know. And the fun part is, you know, I was a little worried. I'm like, you know, if we're always an episode ahead, you know, we won't be able to be as vibrant and like being able to communicate with the listeners. There'll always be a weak lag time. But you know what? I didn't give the listeners enough credit. They were already emailing. Within 24 hours, we already got like four or five emails and they're just streaming in. People are asking for their fanny pack, answering the quizzes better than a shin. I don't know about that. I think I did pretty good on the last one. You squeaked over the finish line, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just realized we're just so thankful for you guys, but we don't got a name. We don't have a name for these guys. What what do we call them, Alex? You you mean our listeners? Yeah. I just call them the listeners. Mmm. Well... You, know you, want, you want an awfully serious, specific name for yeah. podcast listeners? Yeah, you know, maybe that's it. So what we'll do is they need to email to us at awfullyseriouspod at gmail.com what they want to be called. Because if they don't, we're going to be calling them the awfully serious, specific listeners. Wow, that is a mouthful. Or I do not want to be saying that. Could be the ass listeners. <laughs> so we're going to swing this one to all of the people out there who are fans of the podcast. What would you like your community to be known as? Yeah, so you let us know. In the meantime, we'll do what we do, and that's segments. All right, so we have yet another Modak Manners. Shin, I'm getting kind of tired of you explaining things to me. I know. I'm not a fan of the ash explaining myself, but... It's just that your perspective is, I don't know, clairvoyant. You have such a finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist and how to behave in today's modern world yeah and if i give the answers to everything you know what's the point of living (laughs) all right so you got to keep some mysteries alive yeah 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 okay but we have an email from a listener Mm -hmm. and they have a very specific social norm question that they want you to answer okay so let me pull it up okay first of all they say in all caps the people want a new episode please what's it gonna take do you need more guests and then He goes on and on and on. Then he says, I would like a word that immediately gets you out of boring ass conversations with no repercussions. You say it and you can just leave. You can use it three times a year. Oh, I like that. So this reminds me of something that we used to do in high school. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, I definitely do. I definitely do. The safe word. The safe word. The safe word. Yeah. Do, do you want to explain the concept of a safe word? To the yes. Audience? Yes. And not the weird kind. I know everyone's thinking of that weird kind of safe word. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like a... This is a safe word for social situations. Yeah. It could be unsafe. That's right. So, especially back in high school, you guys might have heard some stories. You know, um, we're a, bun- a big bunch of practical jokers. You know, a lot of jokesters. The one thing which I remember the most... Is like Alex, you, your brother, our friend Bryson. 
felt like you guys would take it very personally if we had something else planned. You mean if you didn't want to hang out with the gang? That's true, because... Don't get me wrong. I love standing plans. We had standing plans every single weekend to hang out and just goof off, which is great. But sometimes other things come up out, you know, outside my schedule. I got, you know, I got other groups of friends. I keep them separate. This is another Monac Manners in the making. Yeah, we'll, we'll get you to that. and your separate groups. We'll get that. We'll get to that later. We'll okay. get to that later. Oh, okay. All right. More but, important things first. Yeah. So you guys would always try to find a way to like pull me or, you know, some of her friends out from whatever else they were doing to make sure they were hanging out with you. It was very selfish, but very endearing, if I may say so myself. Oh, that's cute. I do remember a specific time that we already talked about on the podcast, where we climbed into your house to come pull you out of a family party. Mm-hmm. And I feel, in retrospect, that that was pretty mild. I think what I remember is once I got this, got this phone call, and you said, hey, hey, re- this is an emergency. Our, our good friend Jordan... He got in a car accident. He's in the hospital. Oh, you I need think, to come right away. Ooh, I do which is some this. bad juju, my friend. Some bad juju. And I got really worried. I was and like, yet you were still late. It still took you hours to get there. A tiger can't change his stripes, Alex. The point is I got there. I got there, told my mom and dad, like, hey, I got to go. Jordan's in the hospital. They're like, oh, okay. And then I get there. And then everyone's like, oh, no, we just wanted to hang out. Oh, yes. I do remember this incident. And I believe... You know, you had a little pushback after this incident, and this required the invention of a new device in our group. Yeah, so, you know, suffice to say, when I came back home and my parents asked, oh, hey, how's Jordan? Having to explain that my friends are a bunch of jerks and made up a lie. Didn't go over so well. Okay, so but we fixed the situation. So what did we do to fix this? That's right. So we made the safe word. So we had a safe word where, hey, if we said this, you really had to trust us. No bullshitting. And that word, do you remember what the word was? I remember it was foliage. It was foliage. So we had the I feel safe like this word. is an office reference. Was it? Is this from the office? I don't know how we came up with the word okay. foliage. Yeah, but it's a very specific word. Right. And it was a specific word where no one's actually going to use it accidentally. So, you know, we had this word foliage. And the idea was like, hey, if we like, you know, we're asking you to do something you know, it might seem strange if we're using the word foliage. No, no, really is true. It's an emergency. And to my knowledge, we've only used it once. When was that? You don't remember the story? No. Can you tell me the story again? Okay. 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 So, you know, it's almost fitting that we're telling the story today because tell tell our listeners what you're doing after a recording session today, Alex. What are you going to do? I'm going to go get dinner. And after dinner? Going to a show. Show. Cool, cool. And um, a show, is it, you know, some popular artists people might have heard of? Yeah. You know, probably thousands of views on YouTube. It's very obscure. You're listening to a very obscure um, YouTube artist. What's the name, by the way? It's a band. It's like a folk band. A folk band. Yeah. The front woman, her name is Raina Del Cid. That's her stage name. Sounds terrible, but maybe I'll come. (sighs) But it's fun because the last time I remember you dragging us all to one of your weird, silly things you had from the obscure corners of the internet was to go to San Francisco to see a art exhibit by your favorite webcomic. Oh, I do remember this. So we had a fun time in San Francisco. I think, I believe we went to one of the most famous burrito places in all the country. That's true. In fact, I believe that that burrito establishment won Nate Silver's famed burrito bracket on 538. We did not know that at the time. But it had, yeah. So I feel like this was a net plus for us that night. Um, So the only thing that I remember about that night is getting some delicious burritos and going to this really quick art exhibit. Yeah, yeah, I remember this art exhibit by your web co- favorite webcomic called 
Fart Party. Do you still listen to Fart, Fart Party? Fart Party. Oh, you know, I haven't read that one in a long time. Been reading some other web comics. There's some great web comics. Yeah, out Fart there. Party sucked. Yeah. But so it was the, entertaining. So the part I remember is I remember we got there and I think we decided to take like the the train up to San Francisco and we got there. I think I forgot I forgot who you know this was before the age of smartphones and we got there and we all had these directions printed out and I remember in a fit of fit of adventure I decided to rip them all up and I decided you know what we're gonna be fine we're gonna just explore the city we don't need a map and then so we did that you know saw fart party fart party sucked got some burritos and then we got lost in the city for a very long time realized we were going to miss the last train out of the city you know when we were like walking around walking around walking like we're pretty lost we went by the time we figured out where we are we were very very far away from the train station you know this was about you know, did so we end up at Ghirardelli Square at some point we ended up Ghirardelli Square that's where we realized where we were and we realized we needed to get to the train station in about you know let's say um 15 minutes or so we weren't going to make it and that's when this guy in this really shady party bus remember he pulled in and he asked us if we wanted a ride I don't remember this. Oh, yeah. Sounds like you're making this up. No, this happened. Do you remember the guy in the party bus? He came and asked us for a ride. And we said yes. And he took us to the train station. I don't remember this at all. You don't remember this part? No, I don't. How do you think we got to the train station? I thought we didn't get to this train station. I thought someone had to come and pick us up. So we got to the train station, but we didn't make our transfer. Oh. So we're stuck. So... You know, the guy in the shady party bus didn't do anything to us. Actually, pretty nice guy. I think we paid him 10 bucks. He took us to the train station. We got on the train, but we didn't make the transfer. So we were stuck in Millbrae, California, which is, you know, 45 minutes from San Francisco and 45 minutes from home. And that's when we had to call our good friend, Baraj Marate. And our cell- I remember our cell phone coverage was really bad. Our cell phones were running out of batteries. And we, we were just asking, Baraj, Baraj, you got to pick us up from Millbrae. We're at the In-N-Out in Millbrae. You have to pick us up foliage foliage this isn't a joke we really need you to pick us up <laughs> and then and then the cell phone died and Raj, on his his end i remember all he said he listened all he could hear was static milbray in and out foliage static <laughs> milbray he got all the important bits he got all the little bits and sure enough 30 to 45 minutes later he shows up in his pajamas to pick us up from the in and out you remember this <laughs> i don't remember this at all oh my gosh you know what i got a picture i'm gonna pull out the picture i'll show it to you over the break and you know what we're gonna post it on our website do you remember what that website's called? I think it's called awfullyseriouspod at gmail.com. That's right. So send us an email and we'll send you a picture of our most foliage experience. And yeah, Viraj picked us up and he got in a little trouble with his parents because the very next day they were supposed to go to Yosemite bright and early at four or five in the morning. But because he was up to like one or two picking us up, he didn't get up in time. So he didn't go to, <laughs> he didn't go to Yosemite with his family. So it's a win-win is what you say. I think it was a win-win. So, you know... Safe words definitely work. Some people might ask, because, you know, there are going to be situations where, you know, maybe you can't use a safe word because there hasn't been this established protocol. Because, like, between you and me, if I want you to shut up and come up with a safe word and you go, okay, um, no harm, no foul, we're good. But, you know, it might be hard for society as a whole to, you know, adopt such, you know, conversational mm, escape. Yeah, you know, if we come up with a safe word for all the awfully serious listeners out there to use in their social situations... I don't want this to become some stupid Windows the Bacon narwhal or whatever. I think we have a friend who had a very unfortunate experience while wearing a Reddit t-shirt one day. Do you remember? This, I, I never heard this story. This story, I think it must have, it might have been Sid. Uh huh. Was wearing a Reddit t-shirt, and then another <laughs> wild redditor 
wearing the same t-shirt came up and they had a very awkward exchange oh i do remember i was there for this i and, remember yeah they took a picture together and sid kind of laughed and like ah, isn't this cool and as soon as the guy laughed he just turned to me he's like i fucking hate that guy <laughs> <laughs> Because, <laughs> I mean, at some point, yes, everyone uses so, Reddit. But we have a safe word now. So mm-hmm. if Sid was in that situation today and he had the safe word, he could turn to his friends and say that word and they would get him out of that. That's true. Get him out. He would never have that picture and it wouldn't go up on the internet. But what if you're talking to someone who doesn't know the safe word? So mm. I am very bad. I get stuck in conversations a lot. So I'm not the best to answer this. Well, see, the problem is, is the reason that there's a safe word is you don't want to have to convey to the person that you're speaking with that this is a terrible conversation. You don't want to insult them like that. It's more of a safe word for like people in the immediate surroundings to know that they have to rescue you. To you, pull you out. You need help. Yeah. See, I feel like that could work. But what if you're stuck? What's the one-on-one? You need a way to end you need a conversation ender which is different so it sounds like this listener that emailed us is asking for like a get out of jail free card where you can just show it and be like you know what i don't want to be in this conversation anymore sounds a a little bit disruptive to the social fabric so i think there are ways around it okay so i used to have this problem i'd always get stuck i was at a house party or something i always get stuck talking to people and one of my good friends from my grad school days gave me the best phrase to say always got me out of it what's this phrase it was so your place or mine <laughs> <laughs> it killed every conversation it was perfect and the way he explained to me he's like look it's a win-win you either get out of the conversation or something else happens <laughs> for the record aren't I- you aren't you creating <laughs> awkward situations that are more awkward than the one you were trying to avoid but it's done it's like ripping a band-aid off it's like ripping off a band-aid with like a pair of pliers and grabbing some skin along the way the band-aid is off that's all that matters that's so, really all that matters so i feel like we, we we can come up with like you know maybe some other ways of like how we can get out of conversations so another trick which i use is so there used to be this guy you know at work who talked all the time I'd be afraid to have conversations at work with other people because he'd join in. So this person doesn't work here anymore. So if anyone I work with listens to this, don't worry. This is like very old. This is like, you know, before this mm. is before grad school, before grad school. So when I'd work with him, I always get stuck in these conversations. And then the trick I realized, I also didn't come up with this myself. I got this trick from a friend. You always got to have a mug or glass of water nearby. You always keep it full. And then as soon as this person starts talking to you, just start drinking out of the mug. Within a couple minutes, you'll be done. And you go, oh, sorry, gotta refill my glass. And then you can leave the conversation. I like it. It's yeah. a good one, right? Yeah, it's a good well, one. Yeah, that's pretty good. So that's my advice. That's my advice. Okay. You had to get always some- have a glass. Of- so this, the benefit of this, too, is if you always have a coffee mug on you, then you can go to the Sip and Nibble and get a cup of coffee without having to buy a disposable cup. <sighs> Well, I guess that kills this segment. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Foliage. All right, we're done. Yeah, bye. All right, welcome back. And uh, Shane, I think it's quiz time. Quiz So I'm glad that you mentioned in our last segment, ripping off a (laughs) Band-Aid. And play. Ripping off a Band-Aid and making things worse. Quiz time. So that is the theme for this quiz. I think I'm going to call it no exit. No exit. Yeah, making bad situations worse. Making bad situations worse. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. So it's pretty standard trivia. 
You know, I enjoy these so much. I think one day we got get, get all our ass listeners. That's what we decided we're calling them, right? The ass listeners? Yeah, we haven't gotten any emails yet, so we have no other suggestions. Yeah, so we got we got all our ass listeners in the greater Boston area, and we just got to do a trivia night hosted a by tri- you. I enjoy this so much. If you want a trivia night, you ass listeners. A local meetup. Yeah, like, no, don't call it a meetup, because meetups are lame. Oh, okay. This is different. This is a, li- a little, you know, ass listener hangout where, you know, we do a little trivia night hosted by you or Quizmaster. Okay. I like that idea. All right, all right. Yeah, send us an email, awfullyseriouspod at gmail.com. So, yeah, if you want to see Awfully Serious in the Wild, let us know. This is a nice short one for our nice short podcast episode this week. You ready to start? Let's do it. All right. <clears throat> so, in chess... I got a question for you. Yeah. How come in checkers, it's red and black, and the red's lava? Did they do it just so you knew that not to go on the white spaces? They turn it in the red so you knew it was lava? I mean... Wait, what? Yeah, because the checkers board is red and black. And the way they, the reason it's red is to explain to people you don't put pieces in the red squares because it's lava. Are all the pieces supposed to be in the black squares? Yeah. I think I've been playing checkers wrong this whole time. Yeah, how else do you play checkers? Well, all of my pieces are on the red squares and all of my opponent's pieces are on the black squares. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's not how you play checkers. It's a very fun game. Both people win. <sighs> <laughs> All right, let's just get on with okay. the quiz. Oh, boy. All right, so... Okay, yeah. So, in chess, a lot of games are won and lost based on the concept that white and black have to alternate moves and you can't pass. This concept of being forced to move even when your position is fine, but any move would damage your situation, is called what? Here are your choices. Is it A, Alakine's gun? B, en passant? C, Fianchetto, D, Zugzwing, or E, Zwischenzug. It's a lot of different languages in there. It's a real but messed chess up is quiz. A, chess is a, an international game. Oh, boy. Not only is it a, it's, it's a quiz about vocab, it's, it's a quiz about chess vocab? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, one more time, one more time. Give me a little, give me a little flavor of each of the words. Tell me where it's from. All right, A, Alekhine's gun, Alexander Alekhine, or... Aliokin, I think, is how you're supposed to pronounce it. Oh. He was a Russian grandmaster. He Ooh. became world champion in the 1920s. Ooh, he I was like a this. famous alcoholic. Ooh. He died in mysterious circumstances. Even more interesting. He was the only world champion to die while world champion. So he's undefeated as a world champion. Basically, and it turned the chess world into an uproar. And no one knew who the next world... Because traditionally, the world championship is kind of like... A boxing heavyweight belt. It goes from it goes from gotta, victor to victor. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta win beat, the belt. Yeah. You gotta beat the king of the mountain. You know, if it's vacated, it just messes everything up. Yeah, it's terrible. Then there's four other words. <laughs> that's Alakine's gun. A, B, en passant. That's French. Is, that's French. What's it mean? Well, it could mean. Ah, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> uh, C is uh, fianchetto. I think it's Italian. And then D and E are German. D is zugzwang. And E is Zwischenzug. All right. So there's one so thing. You got I got a, a Russian name. Uh-huh. Uh, he was Russian. Then he moved to France. Mm-hmm. B is an, a French term. C is an Italian term. And D and E are bro- both German. All right. So I think to solve this question, I'm going to have to be a little racist. So. Okay. Not a problem for you. How? Anyway, so Germans, as we know, Germans, they're very industrious very busy they wouldn't bother themselves with a game such as chess so 
both German words, I'm out. Okay. Now we got this a Russian word, Italian word, and a French word. See, I can see French people playing chess because it's snooty and they're into shit like that. So okay. that's okay. <laughs> Italians. No. No Italians. No? No. Come on. When's the last time you saw an Italian player play chess? Well, you know the top American player, he's an expat from Italy. Oh, he's so he an defected. American player. Yeah, defected yeah. from Italy. Yeah, because he realized he didn't want to be Italian. He wanted to be good at something. So he decided, you know, eh, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, he's, he's challenging for the world championship this year. Hmm. He's yeah. pretty good. All right. But that being said, I just, you know, I feel like Italy has so much other good stuff going for it. They wouldn't be bothered playing chess either. They got fun things to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the Germans are busy working. The Italians are busy enjoying themselves. It's a great country. Mm. So there's the French, snooty French. I could see that. And the Russian. So, you know, but there's one thing I know about Russians. It's that they um, they play a lot of chess. Okay. That's the only thing you know about Russians? Oh, well, the only relevant thing. But the one thing I know about this phrase. So the thing is like chess is a very old game. And this guy, you know, Chekhov's gun or whatever you called it. Alakine's gun. Alakine's gun. You know, it's like... If Kelly were here, she would explain to you what Chekhov's gun is. But she's not, so we don't have to go into that. Anyways, it's like this, you know, this dilemma in chess has like, has... It's probably been around a lot longer than old Alakine's been around. (laughs) Unless Alakine, it was his specialty. Like, that's how he always got people. is by having to make them do moves when they didn't want to do moves. But... It just doesn't sound likely. I'm sure people have been using that tactic forever. Why mm. does Alakine get credit for it? So I'm going with the French word, en passant. Okay. You'd be wrong. I'm wrong? Yeah, you're wrong. Well, uh, I'm sorry. What was, what was the word? This concept is called zugzwing. Zugzwing? Yeah, when you'd prefer not to have to move. <sighs> nice try, though. You want to hear what the other <laughs> words actually mean? Yes, please. <laughs> is Alakine's gun a thing? Alkine's gun is a thing. It's when you um, stack up your rooks and your queen on the same file. Ah, so I was right. It was his way of killing people. Yeah. To be fair, other people have done it before him. But okay. I guess they named it after him. En passant, the one that you chose, basically you can take a pawn um, if it moves twice on the first move to get past your pawn. Hmm. A fianchetto is when you put your um, bishop on the long diagonal. Okay. And his wishenzug is when... Um, you insert a move in between a forced move. You you kind of force a response, and then you get the move back, and then you do like what you were originally going to. Sounds like cheating. Uh, it's a strategy. It's called strategy, Shin. Okay. okay. All right. Well, that's too bad that you didn't get that one. But uh, hopefully you'll do better on the next question. You, you, you want to hear the next one? Is it more chess? No more chess. Oh, okay. That okay. was just the intro. Okay, okay. Yeah, I thought that one was fun. Okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah let's go like on. Like chess. You thought it was fun. <laughs> um here's the second one all right everyone knows what a pyrrhic victory is when you you kind of win the battle but you lose the war right because you like burned yourself yeah but there's a related term called a cadmian victory what is a cadmian victory is it a when you have valid warnings and foreknowledge of future events did you say phallic warning valid warnings. you need to enunciate i'm sorry okay so when you have foreknowledge of future events, but your warnings are dismissed and disbelieved and prove insufficient to alter those events or convince others of the validity of your predictions. Or is it a building constructed or substantially modified to irritate your neighbors? That's B. Is it C, a barbed insult delivered as the speaker departs? Is it D, 
an economics situation where two players reach a state of Nash equilibrium, where two firms charge a price equal to the marginal cost? Is it E, a victory at the cost of the people who are supposed to benefit from the victory? Or is it F, a false dilemma in which contradictory observations lead to the same conclusion? This quiz goes up to F. Yeah, you got a lot of choices. Choice, a, is, choice is good, right? You did a lot of work there. I, but, you know, I, I'm doing some math, and I figured out every time you give me another choice, the chance that I'm going to get it wrong increases. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, okay. So there's a lot of choices. So I'll, let me, I'll try to see if I can run through them real quickly. A, it's like if you kind of know what's going on, but you can't convince people that you were wrong that to do what you said. Yeah. And then... B is a, a building that's constructed to irritate your neighbors. Irritate your neighbors. C, it's like as you're leaving, you say like like a compl- like a insult as you're leaving. Yeah. A real wuss move. <laughs> and then D was... Um, where like two firms are competing. Oh, and they keep on going until they're not... Even if they get it right, they're if not they, Even if they... Yeah, if they lower it. They both offer their product at the marginal cost. Okay. And if either one tries to lower the price anymore, then they're not making a profit. Okay. E? Uh, e is if the victory costs or uh, like defeats the people who are supposed to benefit from oh. the victory. Okay. Or F, a dilemma in which contradictory observations lead to the same conclusion. Hmm. Okay. And the name, it's a Caspian? Cadmian victory. Cadmian. <sighs> All right, so I gotta think about where the word Cadmian comes from. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking Caspian victory, and since I don't know where Cadmian is, I'm gonna best base my answer on the idea of a Caspian victory. Okay. And so you know, Caspian's like this Caspian Sea. It's like you know where all the G- Greeks were and stuff like that. Oh, I thought it was um like one of those Narnia books. Oh, what am I thinking of then? Maybe I'm thinking of the Cadmium Sea. Uh, yeah, maybe you were right all along. Okay, so anyways, there's like the Caspian Sea, okay, and like, you know, um, there are these traders and stuff, and like, you know, this is like where like, you know, a lot of people be trading and stuff and whatnot, and let's see, can I see them doing something like in situation A, which was, what was A again? A is the, when you have the, you know what's going to happen, but oh, you yeah. can't convince anyone. That doesn't make sense, because that's not a victory. B, you put in something so ugly to insult your neighbors. So the point is, none of these are like real victories, are they? Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. But this one, it's like you're like, you feel like, ha ha. But like, you know, if you're on C, there's lots of boats. There's no neighbors. So B's out. Then let's go to C. And that was the one where... The insult as you walk the away. Insult, that could be a very thing you do on the sea as you're sailing away. I feel like this is, a, uh, some, this is one that you win all the time. Let's keep on moving. Okay. And then D was the one where so it's, an, the, it's like the trading one, actually. It's an so e- economics. Where like, you sell something for something that's you're not getting a profit. Yeah. E was like, you know, the victory, but people who are supposed to benefit don't really. Mm, not that. And F, like you get, you're right, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. F is a good, F needs a word. They need a good word for F. These all have words, by the way. Okay. But um, I'm going to go with, the trading Nash equilibrium one. Hmm. D. That would be D. You know, because it makes sense. They're traders on the Caspian Sea. That would make sense. 
but it's wrong. I'm wrong again. Yeah, sorry. That one is actually called the Bertrand Paradox. The Bertrand Paradox. Bertrand Paradox. All right. So what was the right answer? It was E. E? Yeah. Dang it. Okay. Yeah, it is. What, what's, where's the word come from? It comes from an old Greek myth. Uh, let me read it to you. A Cadmian victory is a reference to a victory involving one's own ruin from Cadmus, the legendary founder of Thebes. On seeking to establish the city, Cadmus required water from a spring guarded by a water dragon. He sent his companions to slay the dragon, but they all perished. All right, that's good. Real fast, why don't you just tell us what the other words were? What was what was A? A, let's see, A is called the Cassandra Paradox. Okay. It's when you have foreknowledge, but you can't convince anyone. That makes sense. What she was you like know. A, yeah. B is just called a spite house. A spite house. I love that. Uh, C is called a Parthian shot. A Parthian shot. That yeah. makes sense. Based off of, um, I think, an old Persian tribe that was very skilled at horseback riding. And so they would turn around in their saddle and shoot, and shoot behind yeah. them. Yeah. Then we have the Bertrand Paradox. Um, and then the last one is called Morton's Fork. A Morton's Fork. Morton's Fork. I like Morton's Fork. Morton's Fork is a good one. Yeah. I'm going to hold on to that. All right. All right. You ready for this last one? I got a challenge for all our listeners. Oh, what, what's that? Tell us what it is to be a Morton's Fork. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sorry. Keep on going. Keep on going. <laughs> all right. I have another challenge. Yeah. This is probably the beginning of a knock-knock joke. Oh, great. What does an economist eat with a Morton's Fork? I don't know what. I don't know, but we need a punchline. So if you are in the audience oh my gosh. and you want to answer this one, send us an email at awfullyseriouspod at gmail.com. Okay, all right. And then okay. we got one last question okay, for this okay. quiz. Okay. This is a term from uh, game theory. Game theory. Yeah, and I think that... Um, As an aside, how, do you, how, how many little kids do you think were disappointed to figure out what game theory really is? Well, kids like you and me, we were pretty disappointed. But I think kids like Kelly... You know, we're just thrilled and By went on to <laughs> went on to study. If I because I game theory, I feel like that's what Santa probably got his PhD in game theory, right? Santa? Yeah, how he makes all the games and toys. He needs to know game theory. Hmm. I think he's more of a he's more of an engineer than a theoretician. All right. Anyways. <laughs> all right. Um, so this was a term that I saw, and uh, I feel like it uh, applies to us a lot. Okay. Maybe not in the way that. It was intended. Okay. I just like the term, so I put it in the quiz. All right, let's hear it. Ashin, what is the unscrupulous diner's dilemma? Mm. Got a lot of choices here. Okay. They're kind of long. Here's A. One player has a pot, and they are tasked with splitting it with another player. Once the first player communicates their decision of how they're going to split it, the responder can accept or reject. If the responder accepts, then they split it the way that it was proposed. But if they reject it, both of them receive nothing. Okay. That's A. Part B. Two people have a date, but they've never seen each other before. They arrive separately, but they don't know how to find each other. Do they walk around or do they wait in a fixed place for the other person to find them? Okay. Option C. Several individuals want to go out to eat, and before they order, they agree to split the check evenly. Now they have to choose whether to get the expensive dishes, the inexpensive dishes. The expensive ones are better, but not as much better 
to pay the full difference, like if you're eating alone. Option D, a group of people collectively decide on a course of action that is counter to the preferences of everyone in the group, but they all go along so they don't rock the boat. Mm. And last, so oh, there's one more. Okay. And there's one more. E. Every Thursday night, all of these people want to go out、uh, to a bar, but the bar is so small that it's no fun if it's too crowded. If less than sixty percent of the people go to the bar, they'll all have a better time than if they stayed at home. But if more than sixty percent of the group goes to the bar, they'll all have a worse time than if they just stayed home. Hmm. Okay. So. A couple ways to approach this. First of all, it's called the unscrupulous diner dilemma. It's called the unscrupulous diner's dilemma. Okay, so I feel like some of these, you know, are pretty good dilemmas, but not dining related. The thing about、mm. dates, no, crossing、oh, okay. that out. And then the what if they met at a diner? No one eats at. They a met、diner. for what if they met for dinner? No one eats at a diner for a date. Hmm, that's true. Right? What? This is in like 1950s. But the dilemma might be referring to the fact that someone who goes out to eat is called a diner. No, so that one、oh, out. Okay. Okay. And then there's the one where like everyone kind of goes with the flow. I think that has another name. It's like the, like the Adeline problem. It's like there's like a story behind it where everyone like decides to go on this day trip in this family and no one actually wants to go. So I think that one's out.、Mm-hmm. And then the very last one where like everything's nice if not everyone goes. I feel like, I don't know. That sounds that sounds unscrupulous, diners. I'm just I feel like that's more of a tragedy of the commons type thing. <laughs> I don't know what tragedy of the commons is, but I'm gonna say it's that. Okay, okay. So I got two options left. I got the one where、um, you had to figure out how to split the you know split the food, and if the person says no, you know, what do you do? And the other one is、um, you know you guys decide to split the check, and then what do you get to eat?、Mm-hmm. So the second one, if you're an unscrupulous diner. There's no dilemma. <laughs> you just get the most expensive thing, <laughs> and you split the cost. Yeah, you split the cost, even if it's not、But、worth Shin, it. What if everyone gets the most expensive thing? Then you're all just paying for the expensive thing that wasn't worth it in the first place.、Mm, that's true. But so there's that, or there's the fact that if you're with another unscrupulous diner, there it's hard because you're like, well, if I split it fifty-fifty, that person might say no because they want a bigger piece.、Mm. So. There's pressure on both parties. There's pressure. That's a real dilemma. So、mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with A. You're gonna go with A. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're wrong. I'm wrong again. Yeah, it was the one where everyone goes out to eat and they split the check. I was close. Yeah, you got down to it. You、oh, got down to it. Boy,、oh, man. All right, just give us the names for the other ones. All、close. right, all right. So that first one, option A, just called the ultimatum game. Okay. Splitting the money. Option B, the two people on a date. It's called the rendezvous problem. Okay. Option C is the correct answer. That would be the unscrupulous diner. Okay. Getting all the expensive stuff. Option D, you were right. It's called the Abilene paradox.、Um, option E is called the El Farol bar problem. Also known as the tragedy of the commons. Tragedy of the commons. Yeah. I feel like that would be a tragedy at the sip and nibble. It's just so small that if everyone goes there, they're not going to have a good time. You know what I realized? Sip and nibble is our safe word to end all these segments. <laughs> You know, last thing I feel is like you know sometimes I feel like on this podcast, Alex, we get a little too you know like、um, 
up our own asshole, so to speak. Where you know we we do a lot of goofs. We you know we we're always witty to each other, and you know some of the stuff I miss is just having a little conversation with you, seeing how you're doing. Oh, yeah, I mean I don't know if I like up our asshole, but maybe Wait. up. You mean up the ass listeners? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I thought it'd be a play on ass listeners, but oh, I didn't okay. think all the way through. Yeah, well I'll just call it being a little too cute. A little too cute. A little, a little too, too cute. cute. And, you know, sometimes some of the fun stuff is, you know, we just like to share stories and stuff. And then one of the things as you were taking all your microphones out, I noticed a little book fell out of your of your knapsack. And it's, what, what's it called? Oh, you mean this book right here? It's called, it's called Everything But Espresso. Everything But Espresso. And I just remembered, like, I know nothing about coffee. You are a coffee connoisseur. Just, you know, I, want, I just want to hear a little bit more about coffee. You know, if you got any stories about it, tell me a little something. Just tell you about coffee? Or, you know, like, you're, li- you're like, what's good coffee? What's bad coffee? You know, how do you tell? I don't. I know nothing about coffee. What if I want to go to a coffee shop and impress the next person I have to meet at a coffee shop? Hmm. This so, segment's called Alex Explains Coffee. Oh, no. All right. Well, here's my philosophy about coffee. I feel like coffee is one of those things where some people feel like it's okay to be a snob. That's true. And if there's one thing I hate, it's snobbery. Snobbery, yeah. But you're so down to earth about it. Well, I feel like uh, my family situation really shaped my outlook on this one. Did I ever tell you about my dad's ongoing quest for the perfect cup of coffee? I've heard a little bit. Uh, not, I've only heard it in spurts. You know, like I feel like I've gotten like updates throughout the years, but I haven't ever heard it compiled together. Oh, yeah. This is a, like a lifelong quest he's on. Mm-hmm. And I think he, so he claims, he claims to have had the perfect cup of coffee. In Monterey, California, at a Pete's of all places. Huh. So if you're ever in Monterey, you should go to the Pete's. Apparently, it's pretty good. Okay, okay. Yeah. One time I asked him to rank his top five cups of coffee in his life, and he could do it. Could you do that? Do you have five cups of coffee that really stand out in your life? No. Yeah, I couldn't do it. But my dad has a very careful catalog of coffee memories that he keeps track of. Okay. So um, this kind of makes it easy for, for Christmas and birthdays. We, we've gotten my dad like all sorts of different coffee making contraptions. He's got like an AeroPress. He's got a mocha pot. He's gone through a couple of uh, coffee carafes in his day. What's a coffee carafe? That's just like the thing that you hold your coffee in. Okay. Like the big pot. That's important? Eh, sometimes. Okay. I mean, if you're making big batches for like the family gathering or something. Okay, okay. Yeah. But I just have this really funny story of one time I got my dad like a tasting there's this fancy coffee shop in in Mountain View, and uh, every once in a blue moon they have this coffee tasting, and they go through all their coffees, you know, from every country and little elevation. Flights. Little flights Not of coffee. From, well, a huge flight. They just have tons and tons of samples. Okay. It's really hard to get into this tasting. First of all, you can't call and you can't reserve online. You have to go in person to get a seat to this tasting, and so I was like, all right. Dad's birthday is coming up. I'm going to get us two tickets to this little thing, and uh, we're going to go together. But I went at 7 a.m. on the day that it opened, and I got the only the last seat in the whole thing. So I gave it to my dad for his birthday, and he went. And when he got back, he told me all about it. He said, first of all, I was the oldest person there by like 30 years. All of these little hipsters with their notebooks, and they were just like writing down everything this guy said. Oh, and they had boy. all these coffees, and they talked about different brew methods and water temperature and the softness and hardness of your water. Mm. Then they talked about the effects that elevation has on the coffee flavor and then which countries produce the best coffees. And they had all of these samples. And then my dad said, all of the coffees that 
they said were good, I didn't really like. And all the coffees that I liked, they said were kind of inferior samples. Huh. Yeah. But you know what? He came out of that experience. And uh, he still has in his mind the platonic ideal of a cup of coffee. And he's still on his quest. And he didn't let it phase him. And uh, that's kind of my approach to coffee, too. It's no such thing as bad coffee or good coffee. It's just knowing what you like and narrowing it down and being able to control all the variables so that you can always get your, your best coffee. There's no, there's no perfect cup of coffee. There's only perfect cups of coffee for you. Okay. So you just got to know what you like, and then you can go after it. It's a lot like life. Coffee is a metaphor for life. Okay, so what are the different like things I can tweak, and what is the change in the coffee? Like, I have no idea what I like. What do I do? Well, I guess you know that coffee hipster. He was onto something. Coffee is mostly water, so you kind of have to control the water. Mm. I think I've heard that filtered bottled water is probably the best to go because you know it's like neutral, doesn't have a lot of minerals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, water temperature when you're brewing is very important too. I think you want it around like. Uh, 196 to 204 or something weird like that, depending on the brew method. It kind of depends on the brew method, yeah. And uh, I feel like all the engineers will appreciate, like, a lot of all of these things is controlling the extraction because coffee is an extraction. You've got a solid material, coffee grounds, coffee beans, and you're trying to get certain flavors out of those beans with water. And you want to do it in a very controlled and consistent and regular way. Okay, so... There's like a whole bunch of, pl- you could do like a French press or you can go in an espresso machine or like a drip coffee or like a cold brew. Are these all even the same thing? I mean, so they're all extractions, right? They're just uh, changing different variables. So probably after the water, the biggest thing that you can do to, ch- to improve just the consistency of how you make your coffee is having a regular grind, a good and regular grind of your coffee beans. And so... Do you want as small as possible? Well, so it, depends it, on, it depends on the method. So depending on, I mean, you can think of one controlling the other or the other. Con- so if, say, like choosing your brew method first, then you you would want a specific grind size for that brew method. Oh, uh, okay. Because it all depends on how long the water is in contact with the grounds. and okay. that. Would, so if you have a brew method where the water and the grounds are staying in contact for a long time, like French press or cold brew, uh-huh. then you want larger grinds. Larger grinds? Yeah, because then the water has time. To seep in. Yeah. Oh, okay. But okay. if it's a very quick extraction, like okay. a mocha pot or espresso or tur- Turkish coffee, you have to have fine grinds because the water's going right through and you need to uh, have that surface area to mass ratio where the water can just wash over the grounds and then take all of the soluble flavors and compounds out of them really quickly. Okay, okay. Or you can go the other way and be like, I got a fine grind. So either whether you're choosing the grind size for your extraction method or you're choosing an extraction method for your grind size, that's that's the trade-off of Mm, what's going on. I see. And then you mentioned espressos, but I feel like there's a whole bunch of other words people use like muffalados, cortados, mochiatos. Ferraris? What do these all mean? Oh, well, so those are all specific to espresso. Okay. And they're um, diff- those are names of different drinks made with espresso. Oh, so, espresso, so they're not different types of espresso. Are, is all no. espresso the same? Um, well, espresso is a certain method of brewing coffee. Okay. So like an espresso shot is what you get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's different words for the drinks. And all of those drinks are based on ratios of something that's mixed in with your 
with your coffee. So like uh, in increasing order of dilution. So at the very bottom, there's just espresso. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like fully concentrated, right? Then the next thing is a macchiato. Macchiato means marked or stained. So it's a shot of espresso with just a tiny dollop of milk foam on the top. Okay. Then you have a cortado. And that means cut in Spanish. So it's cut one to one with steamed milk. I see. Then you have a cappuccino. Cappuccino. Yeah. Okay. And that's a little bit more milk and it's like foamed drier. So it's like more frothy. Okay. And then you have a latte. Latte is the most milk and that's steamed kind of like wet. So you can make your like latte and stuff like that on top. And then you have an Americano. That's espresso that's been thinned out with water. It's called an Americano because like... I think in World War II or World War One, the American soldiers went to Europe and they had all this espresso, but it was too strong for them. So mm. they, they mixed in some hot water. So it was more like the drip coffee that they were used to. Okay. And there's some like obscure espresso drinks out there that like, you can try to order and sound snobby. Like a flat white? Flat white is um, the same texture as a latte, but less milk. So it's more like size of a cappuccino, texture of a latte. Huh. So... I'll just ask a couple more questions. You know, I don't want anyone to accidentally learn anything. Sure. So, sounds to me now, you got all these espresso machines. If everyone has the same espresso machine, isn't shouldn't every coffee shop be the same? Like, what makes coffee shops, what some coffee shop What makes, like, a good coffee shop and what makes... A- Besides the Wi-Fi. And, you mm, know. Yeah. Well, Wi-Fi is probably number one, I think. Mm-hmm. Access to plugs, nice big tables, uh-huh. private booths. You might want even consider getting a subscription to a VIP coffee shop. Okay, okay, so if you got your VIP coffee shop, you got all that. What makes coffee good and coffee bad? Don't they all have the same machine? Shouldn't it, shouldn't it be the same everywhere? Well, I mean, there's different types of espresso machines. Okay. Um, there's automatic, there's semi-automatic, there's manual. Um, but aside all that, pretending that all of the espresso processes like produce similar shots, the biggest difference is going to be the quality of the beans, the freshness of the beans, Um, and the calibration of the grinders calibration to get it to that piece so once again yeah so remember all coffee is an extraction Mm -hmm. and there's a narrow window of flavor that's like just right so like if you when you're pulling a shot of espresso the first things that come out are going to be like these kind of sour fruity grassy flavors and at the end of the shot, it's going to be these like kind of bitter, tending towards burnt flavors. That's the last. And then there's like a cutoff in the in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's like where you get a nice balance of those bright, fruity uh, flavors, but without being too sour. And then you round it out with these smooth, more bitter flavors without being burnt. That's when you want to cut off the shot. But remember what I was saying is like the amount of time that the water comes in contact with the grinds uh-huh. um, is going to affect the flavor that you get out. So part of what baristas will do is they'll calibrate the size of the grinds a little bit coarser, a little bit finer, so that they can get that cutoff while having the proper yield, the amount of coffee that comes out of the espresso shot. So unscrupulous diners with an espresso machine, they might not calibrate the the grind size, and they'll just pull a shot and be like, oh, that looks like the right amount of espresso that came out. Maybe they didn't get the right flavor notes out of it. So that's when you get like these 
really burnt, nasty espresso shots. So, because one of the reasons I asked this, because I feel like whenever we go to a coffee shop, a new coffee shop in the city, I feel like, you know, you'll always get like the same drink and you'll always take it and you'll go, hmm. And I was like, what's he assessing? Shouldn't they all be the same? But oh, that's what you're assessing. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like a lot of people will go out of their way to get like nice beans and stuff. But like, I think the biggest thing for just tasting a shot, right, is going to be calibrating the grind size. Uh, so, so that's what you're looking for. The, I mean, so that's probably the biggest thing. If the machine is working properly and they buy decent beans, but the coffee is bad, it means that they didn't calibrate their machine Operator properly. Bad. Operator, yeah, poor operating. All right, you know, Alex, you convinced me. I'm in. In for what? I'm getting a Keurig. I'm in. Oh my god. All right, we're wrapping up episode eight right now. And we want to hear from our listeners. So let us know what you want us to call you. Or it's going to be ass listeners. It can't be that. Please don't let it be ass listeners. Um, We want to know. Let let us know if you did better than a shin. If you got any of those questions right, then you're a winner. That was an offer. Yeah. Another offer, man. I know. I used to be good at this. You don't have Kelly to blame on this one. I think I used to be better when when there'd always be a question where all the answers were right. Oh, yeah. You you, you got to bring those back again. (laughs) You were complaining about those very recently. Yeah, but you know... I like I like winning a little you bit. Kinda, too. You, I like winning. You got to get bit. points on the board. Yeah. Okay. And then we also want to hear if you want to have a awfully serious trivia night. Yeah. If you want the quizmaster Alex, we're gonna we're we're gonna do an awfully serious trivia night soon. Send us an email if you want to be part of it. You have to bring your own booze though. We're just bringing the questions. All right. Sounds good to me. All right. Bup, 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 bup.